Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Genesis 32, Genesis 32 and verse 21. We're going to look at these verses here, Genesis 32, verses 21 through 25. Let's pray. Father, help us now. Oh, how we need your help. We need your help, Lord, because you are the one who said, let there be light. And you are the one who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. And now, Lord, shine into our heart the same light that we might see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 32, verse 21. So went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and two women servants and eleven sons, passed over the ford Jabbok, took them, sent them over the brook, sent over that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, in our last study, you remember that we saw all this trouble that led up to where we are right now with Jacob being left alone. Very important phrase in verse 24, Jacob was left alone, because this was the most momentous time in the life of Jacob. This was the time when Jacob would be changed forever. This is the time when all these blessings are going to come to him, and it all starts with these words, Jacob was left alone. Now, when Jacob leaves this chapter, when we leave this chapter in chapter 32, there's going to be great blessings. Jacob's going to see God. He's going to overcome this lifelong pattern in his life of relying on himself. He's going to leave this chapter with a new name, with Israel. These are all tremendous blessings, but none of them could have happened unless verse 24 starts off, Jacob was left alone. He sent away all the people over the river. Everything that he had to create this setting, this very important setting of Jacob being left alone. We talked about in our last study how to be alone with God is the Christian's great secret. So when we read this, Jacob's left alone in verse 24, we've got to ask ourselves some serious questions. Can each of us plug our name in verse 24? Can each of us say, I know what it means to be left alone with God. This is the time for us to really to ask the question, can I honestly say I know what it means to be alone with God, to be left alone with God? It's the time for us to say, ask the question, when was the last time that I experienced being left alone with God? Some people might say, well, 
I was in church last Sunday. That's not the same as being left alone with God. That someone say, well, I was in a Bible study. I was in a prayer meeting with, or I was with my family. We were praying. That's not the same in verse 24 as being left alone with God. What is it that kept Jacob from being left alone with God? What is it that keeps us from being left alone with God? It's all the other people that were with Jacob. They sent over the river so he could be alone with God. It was all those herds of animals, all those possessions that Jacob had. He sent over the river so he could be left alone with God. Took a lot of work on Jacob's part to put all those persons and distractions and everything all to be away so he could be left alone with God. Takes a lot of effort on our part. The same thing, to be put all those distractions away from us so we can be alone with God. But verse 24 is like a goal. It's a goal for us, especially if you look at our morning quiet times. The goal of our morning quiet times is not to get through reading four chapters in the Bible. The goal of our morning quiet times is not to pray through a list of needs. The goal of our morning quiet times is this verse. 24, to be, get alone with God. The goal of our morning quiet times is to put out of our mind all the distractions that would draw our attention away so that we can say, if we're really successful in our morning quiet times, that we could say, there, Lord, just like Jacob sent over the river, all the people, all the herds, all the possessions, I've reached my goal. I've put every distraction over the river in my mind, everything that's been thinking about, everything that's weighing on me, and now here we are, Lord. I'm alone with you. My mind is focused on you. I'm left alone with God. Alone with God. I'm ready to hear from God. It's a momentous time when a person is left alone with God and he hears from God. And this is what happened to Jacob. This is what happened with Samuel. This was just a momentous time in Samuel's life. There was a momentous time in Samuel's life. It's recorded for us in 1 Samuel 3, 3 through 11 where it describes for us, it says, ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, here am I, for thou callest me, Eli says. He said, I called not. Lie down again. Lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. Samuel arose, went to Eli, said, Here am I, for thou dost call me. And he answered, I called not my son, lie down again. It's almost comical, this scene. <laughs> Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Imagine that verse. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He rose, went up to Eli, said, Here am I, thou dost call me. Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went, and he lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'll do a thing in Israel. Okay. So here was Samuel one of the most important priests and prophets in Israel's history. He's the one who God used to put in place Israel's first king, Saul. He's the one who anointed the great King David of Israel. And here he is as a boy living with God's priests, 
serving in the temple full-time, everyone looking at Samuel would have said, well, Samuel, surely he knows the Lord. Uh, Certainly he knows the Lord. He's serving God perfectly. But there was this time in his life, in 1 Samuel 3, where it says in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Looked like he knew the Lord. He looked like it. He acted like it. But he did not yet know the Lord. How could Samuel, who was so integrated into God's service there, not yet know the Lord? Just like a person who's so integrated in the church, he's serving God, might actually be in a situation like David, did not yet know the Lord. What happened with Samuel that made him cross over from not knowing the Lord to knowing the Lord? Well, just as it was with Jacob, it was with Samuel. It was one night, and one night there was an encounter with God, and on this night, Samuel laid down to go to sleep. He hears his voice. Samuel, perfect obedient, goes up, responds and back and forth with Eli three times. Eli understands, oh, it's God calling him. Go lie down this time. See, Eli says, go lie down. He's very wise. Say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And that's when Samuel came to know the Lord. Samuel was left alone with God, and God spoke to Samuel. Eli was very wise. He didn't say to Samuel, you know, I think God's trying to speak to you. Let's pray together. He didn't say that. Let's ask God now to speak. Now now you're with me. Eli's very wise. And he tells Samuel, leave. Leave me now. Go back. Be alone with God. And when God calls you, don't leave and come to me. Just stay alone with God and ask God to speak because you're alone and you're listening now to God. That's when Samuel came to know the Lord, when he was alone with God and God spoke to him. That's when we come to know the Lord, when we are alone with God and God speak to us. The emphasis is God speaking, God speaking to us. Reminds me of a letter that I got this week from a Jewish believer who wrote to me and she said, when we receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, then we are regenerated. Samuel came to know the Lord when the Lord spoke to him. Not when Samuel spoke to the Lord. No matter what tongue Samuel might have spoken to the Lord, it was when the Lord spoke to Samuel that Samuel came to know the Lord. Now, now that Jacob's alone with God, what happens? We read of a man. A man appears. You know, I speak to lost Jewish people. It's what I do. I could put my own resume. I speak to lost Jewish people. (laughs) And you know what typically happens when I speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, the lost Jewish people? We talk, like this last week that happened, and all of a sudden, the word we comes into the conversation. It's like, we believe, or we follow. Well, we is not where the Lord Jesus Christ is found. The Lord Jesus Christ is found in verse 24 when Jacob was left alone. I didn't find the Lord Jesus Christ with another person, with a church. I found the Lord Jesus Christ when I was alone with looking for God in the Bible. What happened to Jacob when he was left alone with God is that he saw a man. Who's this man? All of a sudden this person comes. Who's this man? This man reveals God to Jacob. This man is the revealer of God. This man enabled Jacob to see God. And there's only one man like that. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he's described in John 1.14. The Word, as he's described, was made flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
The Greek word there used for made in that verse has two parts to it. One is the part of caused, and the other is the part of become. He was caused to become flesh. Is the idea of a strong purpose in becoming. It's leading us, that word is really leading us to the end of John chapter 1, where it talks about seeing that God the Son became flesh for the purpose of becoming the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. But the verse is telling us that God the Son became flesh so that we could behold the glory of God. We could behold the glory of God, which is the grace of God and the truth of God. And that's what this man did for Jacob in verse 24. When this man appeared, Jacob was able to behold God in his face, face to face. This man was God in the flesh, as it says in 1 Timothy 3.16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. What's the mystery of godliness? God was manifest in the flesh justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up into glory. You know, Philip had this time when he was with the Lord Jesus Christ in which he asked the Lord Jesus Christ to please show him the Father. And the Lord responded to Philip in John 14, 9, when he said, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you? And yes, hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? You know, when Jacob looked into the face of the man, Jacob saw God face to face. In this chapter, Jacob is going to ask this man what his name is. And in reply to that question, this man, who was Jehovah Jesus, could respond to Jacob with the same words as the Lord Jesus responded to Philip. Jacob, have I been all this night with you? (laughs) And yet thou hast not known me? What is the gospel? The gospel is a person. The gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ, who he was, what he did. The gospel is hid to some. And it's interesting to see exactly what is hid when the gospel is hid. It's, descri- hid. it's described in 2 Corinthians 4.3. 2 Corinthians 4.3 says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. What's the light of the glorious gospel of Christ? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, what's the light of the glorious gospel of Christ? It's the fact that Christ is the image of God. It's the fact that Christ is God in the flesh. It's the fact that when we look at the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, we see God. It is that there was a man with Jacob, and this man was God in the flesh. This was the Lord Jesus Christ revealing God to Jacob, as it says in Hebrews 1.3 about the Lord Jesus, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's the express image of God. So when we read in verse 24, there wrestled a man. We, you, you can't just read that. <laughs> you know, wrestled a man. You just you, first you say, what man? Who is this? A man? 
Yeah. All of a sudden, no explanation. This man comes. He comes. We don't know anything about this man. It's just surprising to us. Uh, where else have we seen in Genesis? A man just appear and left us with a whole lot of questions about this man. Where else? Who else? That's it. Melchizedek in Genesis 14, where all of a sudden we're reading along and it says, and Melchizedek, like we're supposed to know him. <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, here he is. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes or tenths of all. See, all of a sudden appeared this man, Melchizedek, who's called the king of Salem. What's Salem? Yeah. And we know nothing about this man except that he brings bread and wine to Abraham, and he's the priest of the Most High God. And he blesses Abraham, and Abraham gives him a tenth of everything he has. And, and, you know, and then he disappears, and we say, whoa, whoa, what happened here? We got a lot of questions, you know, which is brought out for us in Hebrews 7.1. For this Melchizedek, it says in Hebrews 7.1, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the king and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth of part of all, first being by interpretation the king of righteousness, Melchizedek means king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is the king of peace. Then it says, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but like unto the Son of God, abideth priest forever. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Lots of questions for us surround Melchizedek. You know, who's his mother? Who's his father? What's his line of descent? When was he born? When did he die? No, we don't know. We don't know. It's just not told to us. We know nothing about those things. But what is important is what we do know. And what we do know about him is that he was greater than Abraham, and Abraham honored him by giving him a tenth of all he had, and he blessed Abraham. That's what is important. In the same way, we have a lot of questions about who this man is in Genesis 32. But what is important is what we know. He's the revealer of God to Jacob, and Jacob saw God in his face. That's what's important about this man. We never want to just read just, just verse 24, that there wrestled a man, and then just go on. and, and, and No, we've we got to sit and just let the surprise of it all grab us. This verse grabs us. You know, it should be a behold in front of it. Behold a man, as in, what a surprise, you know? It's like, you know, it's like the Bible saying, will you take a close look at this already? There is a man with Jacob. As a matter of fact, this chapter is a series of three beholds. You know, behold a man. Behold a man who wrestles. He wrestles. And behold a man who wrestles who is God. He's God. So verse 24 is like, oh, the surprise of it all. Verse 24 is like, oh, the behold of it all. That's what we see in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like, oh, the surprise of it all. Oh, the behold of it all. Just as with this man, there was this progression of the, oh, the behold of it all. You know, first behold is when we saw a baby through whom God would be with us. Behold, Emmanuel. You know, that makes us to be with God in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive 
and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's the first behold. That's the first surprise. And the second, the next behold is when we saw Pilate and Pilate, he sees a man. Behold the man in John 19.5, John 19.5. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe and Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. The next behold is when we see the Lord Jesus Christ. He's more than just a man. He's more than a man, as we were just alluding to in John 1.29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and say, Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. Revelation 5.6. The next behold. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a Lamb as it had been slain. Behold the Lamb slain. Behold the blood of the Lamb. Behold the blood of the Lamb that makes a covenant with God. In Exodus 24, 8, Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Behold of the blood that redeems. 1 Peter 1, 18-19, For as much as you, have, as you know you are not redeemed with corruptible things, silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot, without blemish. Behold the blood that redeems. Behold the blood that cleanses us from sin. In Revelation seven fourteen, he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. How's that work? Behold the blood of the lamb that overcomes Satan. In Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony, they lived not their lives unto death. Behold the blood of the lamb that brings us near to God, a verse that Tim quoted this morning in the, in the breaking of bread. In Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes, you were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Behold the blood of the Lamb that gives us boldness to come to God. In Hebrews 10.19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Behold the Lamb. He feeds us. He leads us. He comforts us. In Revelation 7, 17, Revelation 7, 17, the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, shall lead them into living fountains of water. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Revelation 14, 4, Revelation 14, 4, these are they which are not defiled with women, they are virgins, and they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the lamb. And then, behold the marriage of the Lamb. In Revelation 21, 9, there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I'll show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Revelation 19, 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready. Revelation 19, 9, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Behold the Lamb in the temple. He is the temple, and He is the light.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.